Good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 6-6-2016. How are you this evening, Alex? Pretty good, actually. Okay. <laughs> so, so <laughs> what has been going on this week? And I know we said we we're going to talk about Senator Johnson last week, but it, it's probably, you're right, we should have talked about him this week. Um. Well, the timing works out pretty well. Uh, he uh, he sent a follow-up letter to uh, the FDA commissioner, Robert Califf, mm -hmm. um, today. So for those who haven't seen the, the news release or on social media today, um, Senator Ron Johnson was expecting actually, I guess you could say he demanded an answer from the <laughs> FDA um, that was due on, that was last Tuesday on the 31st. Um, <clears throat> and I guess, I, I can't remember if we mentioned this last week or not. I mean, I think it was maybe you that had mentioned this. Apparently, um, uh, the FDA had responded either in a tweet. Yeah. Uh, I guess so. It was in a tweet. I, I couldn't find the tweet. I was, I was, I was looking for it. I wonder um, if they deleted it, because it was just one of the weird things I saw, and I was like, that's really weird. Why would they say it was a private matter? Well, it's not really. It's a matter of public record. Yeah, totally not a private matter, um, yeah. especially, you know, when when your <laughs> regulations affect uh, hundreds of thousands of people, yeah. arguably millions of people. Um, yeah, that's not, I don't think that qualifies as a private matter. Um, so, uh yeah, and I should admonish you for being a bad vapor and not screen capping that or something. Sorry, um, I, I I don't know. I expect transparency from my government officials. I didn't know they were going to take it down. Now everything oh, I see from them, I'm screenshotting. Yeah, oh, oh Jan, you should know better. I should, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, apparently the FDA has been pretty smug in their in their treatment of this and basically blowing off Senator Johnson's request, um, and he followed up today. Uh, I'm looking at the news release on his site, um, and uh, it's, it's basically rehashing the, the original letter, um, but in the interim, it sounds like Senator Johnson has heard from, uh, I'm sure, several of his constituents. I'm sure he's heard from vapors all over the country and probably the world um, talking about how these products have helped them. Um, and he has heard from businesses, uh, I'm sure, going through kind of a similar exercise as, as uh, has been recommended to them in the past, stating, you know, how many people they employ, how much business they do, um, all the different products that they carry. And, you know, that's just, you just sort of expand from that how many people would be affected by this. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, since you, you know, and everybody knows once you start, uh, once you get on the vaping community's good side, um, you you tend to hear um, quite a bit from them in the way yeah. of support. Um, so that's uh, uh, certainly Senator Johnson has been uh, experiencing that. And then the best part is the the last couple sentences, the last paragraph of his letter, um, which I will read. Uh, first, first of all. Uh, he is expecting this information to come from the FDA uh, by no later than 5 p.m. on June 20th of this year. So 
14 days from now, uh, I'm sure that we can expect another smug response from the FDA. Uh, and then he goes on to say, if the FDA does not provide an adequate response to these inquiries, the committee may be forced to resort to other means to compel the production of this information. Thank you for your attention to this matter. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know if this means uh, some sort of Senate committee investigation. Um, certainly, both the FDA and the CDC have been, uh, you know, on our list of uh, government agencies that should be investigated by Congress or the Senate. Um, so, uh, it, you know, it's very possible that uh, Senator Johnson is providing us, maybe providing us with another opportunity for, for uh, a legislative response to uh, the FDA. Um, so, yeah, this, this will be, uh, this is an interesting development. Um, and when the time comes, we'll be happy to support. I, I have been kicking around the idea, I think I need to, give Senator Johnson a call and see what, if anything, Kassaw can do to help support him in his efforts to get a response, uh, a substantive response from the FDA um, in a timely fashion. <laughs> well, I mean, how many years behind were they on putting out the wrecks? A couple of years, at least from their first deadline. So, you know, they're following tradition with taking too long to reply to the senator. And I think um, the FDA might be just about to find out that um, I think senators and congressmen have uh, short timelines, not like the public, you know. They want an answer and, and, you know, they should get one. Yeah, and, you know, this is... Um... I, I heard somebody else kind of talking about this um, uh, the other night. Um, you know, the public's timeline on, on in this matter is is actually shorter than than advertised. Right. Um, I, I think you know we have these kind of hard and fast dates. You know, August eighth mm -hmm. of this year is when the regulations. That's the effective date. And then August 8th of 2018 is when FDA starts kind of the hardcore enforcement of actually taking products off the market that don't have their PMTAs in. Right. Um, but it's, the, the, the timeline is, is much, much shorter. And, uh, you know, you're going to see the small to medium-sized businesses, you know, if they aren't already making their plans to cut their losses or come out on top and exit the market before the drop dead date in 2018, um, they will likely be doing that soon. Um, so over the course of the next two years, which means earlier than two years, uh, the, the, the industry is going to start shrinking. Um, and, and so it, it is actually very, very critical that we start getting responses from people, you know, when the FDA is asked to respond to this stuff, it's you know there's there's millions of lives at stake here. This and it, you, I don't I don't care if money impresses everybody a lot more. Um, it, this is you know there's just so much more to this issue than than the four billion dollars or five or whatever billion dollars this industry is estimated to be. Yeah. Um, so you know. 
that's hey hey folks that's your food and drug administration for you they give zero cares about the actual welfare of Americans so well I mean at least somebody is holding their feet to the fire not just us which is nice and um, someone in the chat asked, can a committee put a stay on rule enforcement? I don't actually know about that. And I don't think you know about that, do you? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I would have to research that. I don't know if there's any precedence for that. Um, as far as we know, uh, as, as far as I know, the most likely route for an injunction is going to be through the courts right. um, and then of course you know the other option is actually changing the law so mm -hmm. if, if you change the law there's nothing really you know, for them to do yeah yeah there's plenty of the, the, you know ultimately the FDA is still going to end up with some regulatory authority over these products you know mm -hmm. that's that's not so much up for debate Right. Uh, it's how they regulate these products that that we're working very hard to to fix. So so yeah. Um, speaking of that, if if we're uh, yeah get ready to move along, um, mm -hmm. I, uh, I talked about it a little bit last week, but uh, I had the privilege to travel to Oklahoma City on Tuesday and. Right meet with congressman um sorry i'm turning my phone uh meet with congressman uh um tom, tom cole uh and uh along with uh capo rourke from safada scott ely from amsa um sean gore was there formerly of uh uh oval uh oklahoma vapor Oklahoma Vaping Advocacy League, uh -huh. um, and I believe that they're sort of transitioning into becoming a Safada chapter, um, uh -huh. and uh, so there was uh, a couple other people there um, who are part of that. Um, and it was a good meeting. It was it was it was a long way to travel for like twenty minutes with a congressman, but I <laughs> suspect that that's how a lot of this stuff goes. Um, and uh, I was you know we were able to ask him point blank you know um, should should both the HR 2058 and Cole Bishop amendment be supported mm -hmm. uh, and his answer was simply and without hesitation yes um, and it, it is still very important to you know to get co-sponsors on HR 2058 because mm -hmm. you know although there's you know there's a distinct possibility that neither of these pieces of legislation go the distance this year mm -hmm. but getting support getting co-sponsors on HR 2058 can actually be a little bit more meaningful than just getting support for Cole Bishop um, because you know when you sign on as a co-sponsor that's that's a matter of record and those people are likely to sign on again the next year Right. Um, so you know, we we sort of fully anticipate that HR 2058 won't go the distance this year, but will likely be reintroduced, renumbered, uh, and possibly amended a little bit for 2017. Right. Um, so you know, in either one of these instances, urging 
congressmen to support this language is vital. And um, so I, I, I kinda, I, I'm hopeful that we have sort of put this debate to bed um, and that, you know, it, it, it's just the, the overall goal here is to support a change to the predicate date. Um, and, uh, you know, we can hash out the details of kind of additional language, this and that, uh, mm -hmm. going through 2017. Uh, but for right now, both of these uh, bits of, of regulation need, their bits of legislation uh, need our support. Uh -huh. um, and uh, I, I, I won't get into too many finer points of uh, some other things that we talked about, but, um, but we did talk about some of the additional provisions in um, the Cold Bishop Amendment. And, you know, the 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 kind of consensus on that is that that this is stuff that that again like I just said can be sort of hashed out in 2017 or can be hashed out um, somewhere else uh, you know there is an effort to get this language in a Senate uh, version mm -hmm. um, that you know you know when you have these budget bills you have a Senate version you have a House version they're racing towards the end. And they sort of uh -huh. meet up, meet up in conference, you know, for concurrence, mm -hmm. uh, and that is another opportunity for us to change the language. So um, that is an ongoing process, and, and we'll be working to to get that done, um, you know, in the last half of this year. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was it was a good meeting. Uh, Sean Gore is an excellent host. Um, I, I I had a good time hanging out with him and. Um, it's it's always good to to go into these meetings, you know, shoulder to shoulder, unified front with with the other organizations, um, sure. and uh, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. That's good. So, um, has anything else been going on? Um, well, for folks living in Pennsylvania, um, your legend your state assembly or I forget how they say it there, your legislature is back in session today um, or they were until about two hours ago or whenever <laughs> government employees kick off for the day. Um, it, uh, it, we put out a call to action last week. Uh, the 40% wholesale tax is back on the table um, for Pennsylvania and um, you know, the idea last week was to try to, you know, reach out to, to legislators before they went back to Harrisburg. Um, now they're back in Harrisburg, and I sent out an updated email for Pennsylvanians uh, today with the capital phone numbers for their lawmakers. Uh, that would be the 717 area code. And um, so, yeah, you know, even if you called their... Uh, the, the, the district office last week, give them a call at the Capitol again this week. Um, and, you know, there's emails to be sent, there's phone calls to be made. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'd really like to, to push this back again this year. Cool. Uh. <laughs> so it's been exciting all the way around then. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, last week obviously was sort of, you know, we had Memorial Day on Monday, so that was supposed to be kind of a break. Um, mm -hmm. We talked about Illinois um, 
last week. Um, and I think there was actually a really, really good response to, to that, uh, that committee hearing. Uh, I, I I forgot. I know that, uh, Vicki in, in, uh, Illinois actually posted up an update. Um, um, but Vicki Vasconcelos, one of our board of advisors, she's also uh, Safada um, chair in Illinois. Um, so there is that. Um, there are efforts afoot in California to push back against the um, tax, the tobacco tax ballot initiative. Um, right. I'm not providing a whole lot of details at this moment, but um, I, I, I don't actually have a whole lot of details. <laughs> um, but I, I do know that, that uh, people in California are working to push back against that. Um, and then, yeah, so other kind of California um, things. Um, I had uh, spoken to, well, I was out there in Sacramento. Okay. And, and when, when uh, Safada, California, did their lobby day. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I, I can't remember if we had talked about this back then, um, but uh, I, I did kind of want to reiterate because I had heard some comments on, an, on another um, internet thing um, that uh, despite, well, so California has these horrible laws that were passed and it changes regulations for everything. It raises the, the, the age to purchase vapor products to 21, it limits where you can vape, um, and there's some other stuff that goes along with that. And so the, what I had heard was that California businesses were being um, encouraged to just comply and kind of suck it up and live with it. Um, this is not actually what my experience was when we were in Sacramento. And um, going forward, I think that there's you know some clarity that's being offered about that. Okay. Um, there are efforts afoot to uh, to fix this in 2017, um, and this is going to be a popular theme going forward. Here we are in June, mm -hmm. so you know we're sort of past a lot of you know. First of all, I, I believe like two thirds of the country, their legislatures are adjourned for the year. Um, there's always that chance that they come back in for special session stuff. Usually that's reserved for um, budget discussions um, and uh, or, you know, if the, somebody decides to go all emergency public health like California did last year. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but for the most part, most of the country is in, is in recess. Um, the, uh, so the theme is going to be you know, we're going to look towards 2017 for new bills to be introduced and hopefully fix some of this um, legislative assault on vapor products. Um, so, again, you know, my experience in being in Sacramento with the California Safada people was that there were talks about um, potentially fixing things in 2017. It's just you're not going to hear a whole lot about it until you know, pre-filing or, you know, until somebody's actually willing to, to, to work on this. So it could be December, January before um, anything really uh, picks up uh, right. in terms of, of what people are hearing. 
Um, but California is not just giving up and rolling over. Uh, there, there is, is work still to be done. And, of course, case in point, this tobacco tax ballot initiative, um, which is likely going to be, I guarantee you, you're going to have thousands of vapors that sign, that, that vote yes on this. Because they look at it and they see, oh, well, it's a, it's a tax on cigarettes or it's a tax on tobacco. And I'm not tobacco, so it doesn't affect me. Um, and so there's, there's an awful lot of education that needs to be going on in California. And from what I understand, uh, there are uh, business owners out there that are, are, are taking that responsibility very seriously uh, and getting together and working to make that happen. So, um, again, if you live in California, uh, definitely take a second look at your, at your ballot this year. Um, and uh, when it says tobacco tax, whatever, uh, that includes vapor products now. Um, California changed their definition before the FDA got involved. Um, so um, vote no. <laughs> Just please, <laughs> yeah. please vote no on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I no, you're right. And and I think what's surprising to me is how many people are involved in the industry and how many people vape and have absolutely no idea what's going on. Yeah, and um, that actually leads to the next thing that I was going to bring up. Um, the, uh, the next piece of mass major regulation that kicks in. Uh, it it happens a full week, I believe. Wait, just so I get this right. Okay. Uh, it could be slightly more than a week. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Uh, one. Okay, so almost two weeks before the effective date of the FDA deeming regulations, okay. July twenty sixth of this year. All bottles of nicotine-containing liquid need to be sold in child-resistant packaging. Okay. Um, this is not that kind of handshake, oh, yeah, it's child-resistant cap type agreement you get from your whoever supplies your bottles, whoever supplies your e-liquid. Um, if it's coming from Europe, if it's coming from China if it's coming from anywhere in the country and they say, oh yeah, it's child resistant, you need to be able to verify that. Okay. Uh, and it needs to be compliant with the US code. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a section in the, it's uh, USC, okay. United States Code, or CFR, Code of Federal Regulations, US CFR. Um, it is Title 16. Section 1700.20. Uh, it is a very specific testing protocol for child-resistant packaging. And whoever is shipping you your bottles should be able to uh, send you some sort of sheet saying that they have been, you know, tested, right. they are compliant with the U.S. code. Mm -hmm. um, there are different standards for different parts of the world. You need the U.S. one if you're going to sell your products in the United States. 
Um, and I, I'm we're a little bit behind in getting our newsletter out, but there's a, a section in there that you know how this obviously this affects consumers because if you know if you're a manufacturer and you're not selling stuff that's compliant, then we're going to lose access to it because right. you know enforcement is going to start soon. Mm -hmm. um, and there are, uh, it, it, it's again, you know, it, it's shocking the number of people who are not aware of the FDA deeming regulations. Um, but this is sort of a little bit more shocking uh, because this was signed by President Obama back in January. Yep. Um, and, you know, that there was some effort to get the word out, but still, I think that there's a lot of retailers and a lot of manufacturers who are unaware of this deadline. Yeah. Uh, and it's certainly been overshadowed by what's going on with the FDA. Um, so part of the what we're putting out in our newsletter coming up, hopefully it's this week, um, mm -hmm. will be you know for consumers to ask their their retailers, are do you know that your bottles are going to be compliant with the Child Nicotine Poisoning Prevention Act of 2015 come July 26th? Um, it's a very important question. If you like a particular brand, make sure that they are going to be compliant. Exactly. Yeah. Some some states um, have already adopted this. Um, I think New Jersey was one of them. I know there's a few in the Northeast that did. Um, uh -huh. So I want to say half a dozen or more states had had adopted some sort of child resistant packaging rule, um, and that was. Uh, you know, it, it's something that we've been supportive of, and it had to be specifically worded that it was um, basically consistent with the federal standard, uh, which is this Title 16, 1700.20 thing. Okay. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's coming up. Everybody needs to be aware of it. I think I'll just mention it every week um, <laughs> until <laughs> until the deadline. I'm probably probably mention it on on um, August 1st just for good measure okay well it's good I mean you know sometimes that's what it takes repeat 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 sometimes that's how people learn um and I know this has nothing to do with us but did you see the designated vaping area story that came out of Canada the other day I might have seen it I might have glossed over it but uh, mm -hmm. Okay. Um, there was a news channel up there that was walking around doing a man on the street piece and they found this sign that said uh, designated vaping area. They'd never seen one before because they haven't passed their final rule on how they're going to deal with, with vaping and all that sort of thing. So they went and they filmed it and they went and asked um, their government there and the government came and took them down. And said they knew nothing about them. So I guess out, outdoors in, in Vancouver and the like, you're going to have only dedicated spaces outdoors where you can vape. Is what it's looking like. And that's I just thought that was pretty interesting because it, it seems to be... Outdoor vaping bans seem to be a thing now. So, Well, uh, I know that Quebec actually... Mm -hmm passed um, part of their uh, law that they recently passed was uh, no smoking on terraces, which okay. is a popular feature in and around Montreal. Mm -hmm. um, if you've ever been to Montreal, a lot of the, the, 
the, the townhouses there have steps that go up to the second floor that are they're outside the building right. um, and of course there's a landing at the top typically and uh, and then of course everybody you know apartment living you typically have some sort of back porch mm-hmm. um, I guess that's if you're in sort of a nice apartment even the not so nice apartments have them um, right. but uh, it, it's uh, you know it's a popular space to go hang out and smoke but mm-hmm. now that is illegal, even though you're on your own private property. Um, it is illegal to smoke on your landing outside, and that includes vaping. And yeah, uh, Quebec has probably the strictest tobacco and now vaping uh, regulations in all of Canada. Um, they also, I believe, had like the slowest decline in smoking rates compared to the rest <laughs> of the country. So it, it, I, I, I tweeted about that recently. Um, That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it is a bit strange. So. Yeah. So yeah. I just thought that was interesting. You know, um, I, at least they're actually giving people a space to vape. Instead of saying, you know, not outside, not at all, not where pedestrians might be, you know. So, it's, I don't know. It's just interesting the way different governments in different countries do different things. Yeah, and it's, I guess it's a province by province thing up there for now. Um, obviously, there are some, some federal standards. Uh, it would be interesting to watch Canada um because of you know they have a new prime minister he's young and relatively hip and is intent on legalizing marijuana uh-huh. um, and so you know it, the, my feeling is that you know harm reduction arguments should actually play very well with Justin Trudeau um, but uh, that remains to be seen yeah. so do you is that about it for this week Alex or I think that's it. I always feel like I'm forgetting something, um, but uh, oh, 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 okay. oh! <laughs> one, one more thing, and I promise this is it. No um, I watched the. Uh, I, I really shouldn't mention a product name, but it's it's the only way to refer to it. Um, okay. I, I watched the uh, White Cloud eSigs webinar with Aaron Bieber today. Me too. Um, and it was and fun I, time to see it. It, it, it's good. I, Aaron's a great guy, and you know we've had the pleasure of getting to know him over the past couple of years. Um, and uh, I'm very excited to see the A Billion Lives documentary, um, et cetera, et cetera. Anybody who's following this knows that it made a splash in New Zealand, and um, in fact, apparently has gone some way towards changing some policy there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we're very hopeful to see that in the United States soon. Um, but one of the things that he brought up that I, I feel is worth mentioning and, and rebroadcasting, and I'll put this in our newsletter, um, is that uh, they need a lot of kind of social media buzz and not just kind of reposting posts about a billion lives, but actual likes on their Facebook page. Um, so to keep it short, uh, anybody listening, uh, go and make sure that you like a billion lives on Facebook, follow them on Twitter, um, and encourage your friends to do the same. Uh, there, there should be 
um, hundreds of thousands of people liking that. And every every vapor that uh, this is kind of like joining Casa at this point. Um, you know, in order to generate enough buzz about this movie so that major movie studios take an interest in it, um, they need to see a lot of popularity on social media. That's just sort of one of the things that people mm -hmm. can do. But man, that is that is free and easy to do. Yep. So um, yep. yeah, and I'll put exactly. that in the, I'll put that in the newsletter too. <laughs> <laughs> that no, that was a pretty good webinar. I uh, I've I generally catch the white cloud ones when they're uploaded to YouTube because I'm not mm -hmm. always home. So yeah. it was it was good to see one live. I don't generally get that opportunity. Yeah. You know, I, I think people don't understand what that social media buzz does for you. I mean, we certainly know uh, what an increase in popularity does for us, but uh, when it's a, well, it's kind of a commercial thing, I guess, a movie. You know, people yeah. want to be sure that people will see it, and the only way to be sure of that is to see that people want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's precisely it. So, exactly. All right. Thank you so much, Alex, for everything you do for us, and we'll see you next Monday. Tentatively, unless you're, tentative, unless you're going somewhere. <laughs> tentatively, yes. I'm not sure. Greg might be sending me away on an assignment, so I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we'll see you next week, maybe. All Thank right. you. Great. Thanks, Thanks for everything. Yep. Bye. See you.